Welcome to Sex Spoken Here with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I am a sex coach and relationship psychologist and created this show to help you solve any sexual problems, learn about all things sexy, sensual, and intimate, and create your ideal lasting relationship. In my virtual therapy room, I answer questions, interview experts, and provide tips that you can use straight away. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create a problem-free, exciting sex life. Make sure you join us to be up to date on all events and to easily access coaching at www.the-intimacy-coach.com. Welcome to my virtual therapy room. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, and this is Sex Spoken Here. Please remember that this podcast deals with adult themes, so if you don't have privacy, you might wish to put on your headphones. This week, I'm talking with E about being a preoperative transsexual person and how this impacts on a sexual relationship. E is a 20-year-old trans male who lives in Texas who says he's a huge nerd and adores Harry Potter, loves to laugh, and that people tell him he's very deep. So I'd like to welcome you to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So can you start by describing a bit about yourself so people have a context for this? Um, I am a half African-American, half white, um, pre-op transgender male who lives in Texas. I, I'm normally like really shy at first, like once you get to know me, then I become more open and I show a different side that most people don't really notice or expect out of me. Um, at times I can be conservative. Other times I can be completely like out of left field. There's no in between with me. Okay. Um, and how do you identify as terms of sexual orientation? Um, I identify as male and I use he, him, his pronouns. Right. And you're attracted to? Everybody. I'm pan. Right. Okay. So you're transgendered and you're pansexual. Correct. Okay. Um, so... How long have you known that you were trans? Um, I guess it started my junior year of high school, which was four years ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really start to pursue like asking to be called Eric and like he, him, his until like my senior year of high school. And it's just been that way ever since. And what have been the reactions to your coming um, out? Um, a lot of like my teachers and principals, like a majority of them were accepting and they immediately started using the correct pronouns and names, same with my coworkers. Mm -hmm. But it is still a bit, I guess hard for my family to come to terms with it because they still use like female pronouns and stuff, which of course I completely understand because they've been calling me she and Erica for like ever, for like 20 years. So yeah. 
that is understandable. I'm, 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 I'm smiling that your um, school really dealt with it well and, um, and we're willing to use the correct pronouns right away. I um, work with quite a number of adolescents over the years who are, have decided to transition. So sort of starting from age like 12, 13, moving up until 18 or so. And um, one of the big areas that's, that's an issue is often the way the school deals with transition is that so so often it's very difficult for people to comfortably make that switch and it really makes a big difference doesn't it when people are acknowledging you the way you want to be acknowledged Mm -hmm. it really does i just whenever whenever i came out like hey i i'm trans i want to be called this they were okay of course, there were like a few teachers who were kind of a bit, I could tell were uncomfortable with it, but they were just like one or two of them. Everybody else was just all for it. Brilliant. So um, what's dating been like for you as you've started this transition? Um, I don't know. I mean, I was in high school. I was in a relationship with like a girl for three years before we broke it off. Only because I was going off to college and she was still in high school. So we just broke it off just because we just weren't feeling it. We're still good friends. And I guess I haven't really like dated seriously after that. I've there's just been a few like one night stands and flings and stuff that doesn't really like meaningless stuff. Nothing really like deep. And do you think that that um, is related to you? Any concerns that you might have about how sex will actually go, how the physicality of it will actually go, how you actually feel about your body and the state it's in at the moment? Yeah, I think so because I it, it it's weird because whenever I want to have any sort of like relations of that nature, it I I feel like okay, I may identify the as a boy, but I have a body of a female. So if I don't know how my partner would react if I come out saying, "Hey, I identify as a boy," and it's a huge convoluted mess. So, uh, yeah, so you're you're never sure when you're approached by somebody if they're going to be okay with who you are because they might be approaching what they see. Is is that is that kind of what you're saying? It's like they see a yeah. female, so they think they're approaching a female, and then you say, well, actually, no. And so that that's quite complex, really. Yeah. Does that mean dealing with, I think, more rejection than you might otherwise deal with? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's really hard. I mean, until I fully, like, go through with, like, transitioning and the surgery and all that stuff, then I honestly feel like I'm in, like, a rock in a hard place. So your plan is to actually go through surgery because not everybody who's trans is. So some people decide that they're not going to have surgery, but your plan is to go the full way through. 
Mm-hmm. How long do you think it will take you to get to that place? Oh, um, it'll probably take me a few years because there is still a lot of outside stuff that I have to think about as well as since I am starting transitioning, I guess, like, so late in the game and my body has, I guess, already, like, developed, it'll take a while for, like, the testosterone to completely, like, change my my my, my body chemistry. Mm-hmm. I think it's and interesting. Also, it, Go ahead. Sorry. Also, um, and it all takes a few years because before any surgeon can perform like any surgery you have to be on like hormones for I think it varies but the max but the majority of what I've heard is at least two years Mm -hmm. of hormones at least two years on hormones and you have to have like constant blood checks and making and therapy to make sure like everything is is going properly before you can, they can even think about like going, doing surgery. Yeah, no, I mean, I know that the process itself is, is, is um, a number of years. I think it's interesting that you say it's late in the game to start hormones. This is so many of the people that I've known personally, you know, friends and, and, and uh, lovers and also um, people that I've done therapeutic work with, um, have been so much older before they've started. So things have obviously changed quite a lot if you're looking at where you are as late in the game to start hormones. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know, I guess whenever, like, I look, I guess, like, online or whatever, and I see, like, kids who are, like, 18 or who are, like, younger than me and, like, 18 or something, like, already, like, transitioning, I kind of feel like, oh, well, dang. Okay. And because I honestly... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, um, I honestly feel like this is a journey I'm... Of course, I'm going to be having support of my friends and coworkers and stuff, but... I have a feeling this is going to be a journey that I'm going to have to finance like on my own, really. I feel like, but Hey, no, it's okay. So is it, is it quite expensive where you are in order to, to make this transition? Um, depending, sometimes insurance may pay for you to get like hormones, but and it's for me, where, where I am, like, living now, it's not so much about, I guess, like, the cost of maintaining it. It is um, driving because, like, the nearest location of, um, to, like, do, like, transition, um, like, gender clinic in Texas is up in Austin. And that is about, like, I think, like, a two-and-a-half-hour drive from me. Wow. So, Yeah, yeah, like the cost, like, because I already have, like, a savings account already, like, saving up for it. So that isn't really the problem. It is trying to get there because I don't have a car yet. So I have to rely on my mom to, like, take me. 
Right. And you've got to go quite often, don't you? you know, during, during the process, it's not like you go once in a, in a while. You go quite often. Right. So what do you think people who are considering transition should know about how this middle space affects sex and relationships? Um, you mind elaborating on that kind of a bit more? Well, if somebody's thinking about how this might go, is there any sort of reflection you might give them about how you've been impacted? You know, you were saying before, when you have choose a sexual partner or when somebody's attracted to you, they're, they don't necessarily know before you open your mouth and tell them what gender you are. Right. So that um, makes things more difficult. So what kind of advice from your own experience would you give somebody who's considering this process? Um, I would honestly say that do, do not be surprised if there is a lot of rejection before you find somebody that who will accept you for you. It is it's going to happen. And like me, for example, I am training myself to like, not really like have my heart on my sleeve and like open, I, I guess I get too attached to somebody at first because it's, but yeah, main thing though is just be prepared for a lot of rejection because even nowadays people, people may still be like starting to get used to it, but it is still kind of an, like a shaky topic in society. Okay. So how quickly do you tell people when you meet them? Um, I normally, I, me personally, I like, like to tell them, Hey, um, I, again, it, that's, a, that's a really a hard, like, sometimes I tell them, like, right off the bat, and they'd be, oh, okay, and so I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind or whatever, and sometimes they'll just be, oh, okay, um, and it'd be kind of, like, all awkward about it, so I guess sometimes I would tell them up front, and then maybe I would, like, right before we would, I guess, like, do anything, I would tell them kind of, like, how I identify just to kind of gauge their reaction. But m more and more, I've started to, like, be upfront about it and be, uh, hey, just wanted that you know that I may have the body of a female, but I do identify and as a male, so I hope that won't, like, make things, like, awkward or, or change anything for you or anything like that. And how does that and it's Go on. Sorry. Continue. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, how does okay, that um, And it kind of... Oh, here we go again. <laughs> okay. And um, it kind of, like, a mixed response, really. So... 
what happens, happens. So I would, I mean, when I, when I talk with people about, not just about this, but about being kinky, about being bisexual, just that that's something that I always recommend people tell people up front. Um, and even though it may feel really funny to kind of put that in the conversation quite early, it's better than what happens when you're, you know, at the point where you're about to be sexual and the person doesn't know and th their response can be like really worse, I think, than if it's, it's just a little awkwardness at the beginning. Um, but I know that some people who are trans in the midst of a, of a female to male transition um, do not want to be touched certain places and others don't mind. Um, and that is that, I mean, is that information that you give somebody early on that like, these are the sorts of things, these are my limits. This is how it impacts me as a sexual being. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for people who aren't trans to understand that they can't make assumptions about, not that we, not that you can ever make assumptions about what's a, okay sexually but sometimes we can kind of start experimenting with a bit of with, with a bit of ease without too much concern getting consent along the way but that if you are with somebody who's trans you want to make sure that what you're doing isn't going to totally turn them off <laughs> you know so it's actually would be better to have a conversation first which I recommend for people anyway, that a conversation about what is actually okay sexually, what's actually desired sexually, what you like, what you don't like, what you don't want to do, what you're happy to do before you actually get into bed with each other. Right. Is that something you would agree with or? Yeah, I would agree that like the conversation might be awkward at first, but it is always good to because as on a completely different side though, I guess like I've been in like the kink community since I was like 19, so about like a year or so. And one of the main things that I always try to live by is SSC and make, making sure that before I do anything, me and my partner like sit down and we like talk about like, okay, this is what we should, this is what we both like, this is what we both dislike, this is our safe word, and all that kind of stuff. So, I've made it my mission whenever I'm in any type of, like, of that kind of relationship with somebody, whether it is long-term or, like, a one-night stand, we always come up with a safe word or talk about what we like to do beforehand. Yeah, I mean, I always advise people that, um, whether in the kink community or not, that it's always better to have a conversation to start out with, to find out about what you each enjoy and what each really turns you on and, and, and to really understand consent, that that's something that it is much easier to, to do if you actually have the conversation before you're turned on and you're, and you're moving towards the bedroom. Um, and then there are some parts of the conversation you'll end up having while you're in the bedroom, but to start, that's something that it's worth being in a neutral setting and actually talking through whether you're just involved in straightforward vanilla sex or you're involved in, you know, outrageous edge play and kink. 
it's just always best to have that conversation so that you can be really clear about consent. You also have better sex because you have a much better idea of what the person likes and doesn't like. So you can kind of dispense with all the stuff that, that they find boring or uninteresting. Yeah. What do you think it's important for people who aren't familiar with people who are trans to understand what kinds of things should they be careful about? Um, um, yeah, let's start with that. Um, I would say like the number one thing is, yes, it is in like human nature to like assume and stuff, but... I mean, and myself personally, like, if she say, oh, hey, girl, what's up or something, then I'd, like, politely correct them, and they'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I didn't know, and I guess I would just say that if a trans person tells you that, hey, I don't go by that, I go by, like, this gender with, like, these, these pronouns, it would be really nice for you to, like, even if you may be completely adverse to like trans or anything like that, to at least be respectful and be like, oh, okay. And at least like give it an attempt. If you're going to try and have conversation with us, at least attempt to like maintain like the pronouns. And because it gets, it gets on me whenever you tell somebody the beforehand what you go by and then like they intentionally use the wrong ones just to like, get you irritated or to make you uncomfortable and it's like why so okay so the basics are be respectful be respectful yeah. um and and if i tell you i want to be called this way and referred to this way then refer to me that way don't mess with that that's not you know i mean that you understand that people make mistakes sometimes, but there's a difference between making a mistake and being entirely unwilling to, to speak to somebody right. and refer to somebody in the way that they identify. So that, that's pretty important. Are there other things? One of, one of the things that I, I think people often do is their curiosity is expressed in a bad way. I mean, we're talking and I had your permission to ask you intimate questions, Right. And even right. so, even so, I am not asking really, really intimate questions, right? Because I feel like right. people can volunteer that. But um, it, I think people, people's curiosity gets the better of them. So I know people will sometimes ask really awkward questions. Right. How, if they're interested in knowing something, how? What's the best way to ask without being really a voyeur? Um, I would, I, um, I guess I, to me, I, I don't, like, with me, you, you have to be, like, straightforward with what you want to know, because if you, with me, if you try to, like, sugarcoat anything, I'm not going to understand what you want, and that's it's just going to be confusing for both of us, so I would prefer if you're just straight up blunt with it, and... I'll be able to answer you because if you try and like dance around it because you're awkward about it, then 
I'm probably not going to give you the answer you want to hear, or I'm just going to confuse you more because I won't understand what you're trying to ask. Right. So if somebody wants to know from you about your sex life, they need to ask you directly, but they need to not ask you that just because they're curious. Would that be fair to say? <laughs> that it's, it's, like, it's like you have to use some common sense. You wouldn't just go up to somebody and ask them exactly what they do in bed if you didn't know them. And that this is just right. because somebody's doing things differently is not a license to go up to them and ask them a quite a, an intimate question about their sex life just because you're curious that when you get to know somebody, then you should be direct. Right. Yeah, just be blunt, at least with, with, with me, and I'll be able to answer your questions easily. So what are you hoping for in a relationship? What's your goal? Um, I don't know, just, I guess, someone who will, I guess, take care of me, and I can take care of them, like vice versa, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and are you are you um, looking at long term monogamy or poly or don't know? Um, I guess like I would I prefer monogamy, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't be too adverse to poly, but only under like certain circumstances. Okay. So, um, is there anything else that you think that the listeners need to know about you and about transition? Um, I would say, like, if you ever do meet a trans person, don't like be res be respectful and I guess just whenever they have something to say about themselves actually like just listen like don't think as my friend always says don't think with your downstairs brain but your upstairs one and actually like listen to and take note of what they're saying so it can be in like a smooth experience for every for everybody. That's brilliant. Um, so I want to thank you for joining me. And I'm just today we've been talking about being transsexual. We've been talking about being pre-op and the, the that transition period that can be kind of a difficult limbo, particularly for female to male transitions and. Um, a bit about really how important it is to get consent even in conversations and to remember to respect how people want to be identified and the things that they're comfortable with, even if in general you disapprove, that it's important that you show them at least the basic degree of respect as you would expect to be shown in daily life. Great. Um, hey. Yeah, I mean, those are the basic points, I think, that are takeaways for me. 
I'd like to thank everybody for joining me for Sex Spoken here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee and ask you to write to me with suggestions for the show and any questions you want answered at drbisbee at the-intimacy-coach.com. That's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y at the-intimacy-coach.com. Do follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and check out my YouTube channel as well. If you're interested, yep, go ahead. And I would like to thank King D for allowing me to have this and um, allowing me to like have this interview with you, Lori. And if you want to find out more about me, my King D username is babygirl457, caps lock, B-A, capital B, lowercase, A-B-Y underscore Girl, all lowercase, four, five, seven. Great. Thank you so much. And if you're interested, the Kink D app is widely available. It's worth checking it out. Um, if you're interested in a discovery session with me, head over to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash coach dot com. And click on the button that says click here on the contact page. Um, All of the information and links are on the podcast notes. Please do leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher if you enjoyed the the show, and I look forward to seeing you all next week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to Sex Spoken Here with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes or on Stitcher. And make sure you head over to www.the-intimacy-coach.com to subscribe for free newsletter updates to help you create and sustain an exciting trouble-free sexual life. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes on all topics, sexy, sensual, and intimate. Thanks for listening.